Hello and welcome to The Briefing. I'm Annika Smethurst. It's Thursday the 17th of September and this morning I'm joined by Jan Fran. Yeah, good morning Annika. In a little while Tom and I are going to take a bit of a deep dive into OnlyFans. Do you know what OnlyFans is? Showing my age, I have no idea what OnlyFans is. <laughs> All right, so it's a social media platform, but imagine making money off the content that you would just post on Instagram or TikTok for free. It's sort of like that, but there's a little bit of a catch. People kept asking and requesting things and, you know, they kept paying me for it and I was like, well, if I'm going to keep getting paid for it, I'll do it. Yeah, you're going to hear from Renee in just a second, $200,000 a month is how much she makes on OnlyFans. Well, you've piqued my interest, but look, before we get to that, let's find out what's happening today. It looks like the number of Aussies stranded abroad who can fly home will increase. So right now, 4,000 of the 26,000 Australians stuck abroad can return each week. Deputy Prime Minister Michael McCormack wrote a letter to the states basically urging them to lift that number. Let's get more Australians home. 4,000 returning at the moment. We want to make that six. We want to make that eight. We want to make that ten. We want to increasingly, exponentially uh, available so that more Australians can come home and be home with their loved ones by Christmas. At the moment, New South Wales takes most of them, around 2,400 people each week. Premier Gladys Berejiklian said she is open to more on one condition. I've agreed on the basis that the other states double what they're currently taking. Well, South Australian Premier Stephen Marshall says he's on board and the Queensland Premier Anastasia Palaszczuk says that she is happy to think about it. I would be more than happy to look at taking more Australians here where we have the capacity to do so. Now, WA Premier Mark McGowan was the only one who wasn't too pleased. Uh, He was blindsided at a press conference yesterday actually, where he said that he hadn't even been told about the letter that Michael McCormack wrote. I think the best way of dealing with this is to actually have the conversation uh, rather than write, release the letter before such time as we ever see it. Uh, This is not in keeping with the spirit of the National Cabinet. Now, earlier this week, he suggested that federally funded detention centres, like Christmas Island, should be used for quarantine. But Trade Minister Simon Birmingham has told the ABC... There's a good reason why that's not suitable. Christmas Island right now is in fact being used for different purposes in terms of people that we would ordinarily be deporting, non-citizens guilty of often violent crimes who because of the pandemic we have difficulty sending back to their country of citizenship. Yeah, Simon Birmingham there. And there are other uh, barriers, I guess, to Australians returning back home. Some of those barriers include very limited flights uh, and exorbitant ticket amounts for people wanting to book flights back to Australia. After announcing that gas would help lead Australia's economic recovery, the federal government will today announce more cash for renewables. But the $1.9 billion does come with a catch. Our two renewable energy agencies will have to invest that money in new technology like carbon capture or green steel. The argument we expect to hear from Prime Minister Scott Morrison is that established tech like solar and wind farms are already commercially viable, so they don't need propping up. Now, earlier this week, there was a mixed reaction to plans to open up five new gas supplies and potentially build a government-owned gas plant, um, which the PM says will help bring power bills down. The plan was slammed by environmental groups, though, who say that there's no scientific reason to favour that over renewable alternatives. And a couple of weeks ago, 
one of the world's most promising vaccine trials, that's the one happening at Oxford University, was paused and it was paused because a participant became seriously ill. Now, documents from an independent review have been leaked and they confirm that it's unlikely the illness was because of the vaccine. Huzzah! Yes, I do <laughs> believe at the time that we told you to be alert, not alarmed. Uh, research has started back up again last weekend. Uh, despite the pause, officials say it will not delay the vaccine's rollout if it is successful, which is good for Australia um, because we do have a deal with the pharmaceutical company AstraZeneca for 40 million doses um, if the trial is successful. We have also hedged our bets. We've got 51 million doses of a University of Queensland vaccine, should that trial be successful as well. So uh, we've got a couple of eggs and a couple of baskets. I think whoever leaked that was very clever. There was a lot of apprehension, and I think it really risked people not being comfortable with the vaccine, so some good news for once. Yeah, they did put us through the gamut of emotions, didn't they? <laughs> Now, up next, Tom and Jan take a look at OnlyFans, the platform that's booming in the pandemic. Hips tick tock when I dance. On that demon time, she might start her OnlyFans. Big B and that B stand for bands. If you want to see some real ass, baby, here's your chance. Did you hear that? That was Beyonce referencing OnlyFans, which is the focus of today's briefing. Jen, you know when you see those ads that say, want to earn 20 grand a month doing X? Or this guy used to slave away at his desk job and now he's earning 10 grand a week just by doing dot, dot, dot? Well, I'd say that Renee Gracie's story is one of the most epic versions of that narrative. Yeah, it's it's got to be up there, definitely. Renee Gracie, she was the first ever full-time female supercar race driver, but she wasn't making enough money in that sport. Now... She's making hundreds of thousands of dollars a month on a brand new social media platform called OnlyFans. And what she's posting is, well, porn. It's explicit content. The gist here with this platform is that subscribers pay a small monthly fee to content creators to view their work or, in a lot of cases, their naked bodies. Yeah, but it's not just porn people are paying for. Um, there's tutorials and other content around health and fitness, um, celebrities doing behind-the-scenes content. I'm talking wop, 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 that's some wet-ass pussy. Yeah, last month, American rapper Cardi B signed up to give exclusive OnlyFans content. Uh, it's $4.99 a month to watch her OnlyFans behind-the-scenes stuff, I suppose. No explicit content from her. Yeah, so it's a relatively new platform. It launched in 2016, um, four years later, it had 24 million registered users. That was the figure in May. Um, we tried to get an up-to-date figure from OnlyFans, but they hadn't got back to us at the time of recording this episode. But you could only assume it's grown massively in the last few months. It's perfect for a pandemic. Yeah. Now let's find out more about how it works and whether it comes with, I guess, any dangers. It's certainly a new combination of porn and social media, which does raise a few questions. Renee Gracie, the former V8 racer turned OnlyFans porn star, joins us now. Renee, tell us how you made the move from being a race car driver to, I guess, being a porn star on OnlyFans. Um, money, I think, is probably the main the main thing. Um, I was sort of stopped racing and 
I guess I wasn't really doing much other than working and, you know, I was trying to start my own business and do a few, other few things um, last year when I started OnlyFans. So for me, um, I just sort of weighed it up and I thought, well, you know, if I get, you know, a couple hundred people here and there and make this per month, like I'll be happy. And yeah, where was I wrong when I started it up? It, I was sort of blown away at the response when I first, first started. Well, can you tell us exactly how much money you're making and how many subscribers you have? Uh, the money I'm making sort of varies. So because I've got heaps of subscribers, I've got around the 10,000 market. It does fluctuate, um, sort of lose a bunch and then I get some new fans and followers back on. Um, but I sort of sit around that nine, 10,000 mark pretty comfortably now. Um, and then earnings wise, it's, it's quite tricky because some weeks I can have really good weeks. It really just depends on like the content that I send out mm-hmm. um, and, and I guess what I'm sort of doing. Um, but my month, sort of vary, but they're sort of anywhere between like 200-ish thousand a month is sort of what I'm averaging at the moment. That's a lot of potatoes. Can you, <laughs> can you talk us yeah. through, like, wh- what are you actually putting out there to be able to make $200 a month? Like, what's your content? 200,000. 200,000. Sorry. <laughs> Terrible Freudian slip there. Um, so it just depends. Each, each week I try to do different stuff because I have such a large amount of fans on my page. Everybody's got different things that they're into. I'm trying to please 10,000 people. It's actually, like, quite difficult. Um, so each week I really try and be, like, like vast in my variety of things that I have. Um, I try and do specific fetish things at least once a week. Um, and then I'll do like a solo video, just myself. And then like a boy girl video um, with my partner and then maybe something else in between. It really just depends. Maybe like a, a nude video or me in the bath or the shower or something like that. Um, and then I'll try and cap it at that. Then I do fun things like I do games night on my, my page as well. So I just play like games like, you know, bingo and Uno and stuff like that. I've started to play, um, but I guess like the adult version. Of right. It. Um, so it's, and I try, it's, I try and be different. It's principally adult content, like exclusively. Yep. Can we say that? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, definitely. Had you ever considered doing that before this platform came along or was it the unique nature of OnlyFans that got you into essentially being a porn star? Yeah, I've never sent in my life uh, before OnlyFans. I have never sent a nude photo, like I would have never sent a photo before to anybody, like not even a boyfriend, maybe on Snapchat or something where I knew they couldn't like screenshot it or whatever. Like I was, I wouldn't say prude, but I was like scared of getting stuff sent um, sent around and shared at the time. Yeah. Um, so for me, for OnlyFans, when I joined it, I knew that that was going to be a large part of it, that it was going to get out. So it took me a couple of days to sort of like make the decision. But once I sort of was like, yep, you know, if it gets leaked or whatever, I'll rock it and I'll own it. Once I made that decision and sort of was at peace with that, um, that's when I started it. And I really went in sort of blind. I didn't think people would want to see what they're seeing. I personally don't think that, you know, me naked is a nice sight. (laughs) Um, But some people and a lot of people obviously do. So when I started, I really was eyes wide open and and people kept asking and requesting things and, you know, they kept paying me for it. And I was like, well, if I'm going to keep getting paid for it, I'll do it. So it's really just eventuated over time. How does somebody go from, as you say, being a little bit of a prude, never having sent a photo to anyone, never having their kind of body out there to then putting it all out there on this platform. Like what's the gear shift that happens there for you? The money. Okay. <laughs> Getting paid to do it. Um, I mean, I, it wouldn't be, I would never have just done it in, in any other circumstance. I think um, the fact that people, you know, were tipping me $50, $60 just to get a topless photo from me, it, it made it 
justifiable to do it. So, mm. and it wasn't just one person, it was thousands of people. So um, it was, it's purely just the money as, as bad as that sounds, but it's for me, it's, it's the motivation and it's uh, achieved, made me achieve goals and, and get things done um, now that I can look back on it. And I'm really glad that I did it, but yeah, I think it's for me, I don't run OnlyFans as anything else other than like a business. Um, so shortly once I sort of discovered that, you know, people are willing to pay a premium to see that because of obviously who I was and my, my past, um, I put together like a menu and I put together a page structure pretty quickly. Mm. Um, and now I, I run it the same as what I did in the first month and I haven't really changed it. My prices have adjusted a little bit. Yeah. I mean, the money obviously sounds great for you and is a really big motivator. Um, is there a downside to being on this platform? OnlyFans is no days off. So if I have one day where I don't post a photo, everybody loses it. So people pay for a month or sometimes people pay for multiple months. So they want something each day to make sure that they're getting their month's worth of of value. So there's no time off. I work, you know, I spend about 60 hours a week on OnlyFans just doing messages and and sending content. So that doesn't even include filming it. So um, Mm. I guess the the content, the creativity side, and just the the fact that like it is not a nine to five, it's a 24 hours, you know, I could literally be on my phone doing OnlyFans messages every single day for 24 hours if I didn't actually give myself like structured times because it's that full on. Um, It lured you into doing something that you wouldn't have done otherwise and you, you know, You've now shared your body with the world and and so far that sounds like a mostly positive thing for you. Do you think it it, it could be dangerous for other young women and, and, and maybe even potentially people that aren't 18 like girls to do the same thing? Yeah, I could easily see how if someone doesn't have their head screwed on and if they're doing it for the wrong reasons, how they could get sucked into doing things that they don't want to do, um, you know, potentially putting themselves in risky situations 100%. Um, if, if somebody gets a hold of OnlyFans, it can potentially be quite a dangerous, um, I guess, platform in regards to people wanting to meet up with you. But OnlyFans also have like a verification thing. So I actually have to take a photo to verify. I had to take a photo of me next to my license and then a close-up photo of my face and then a close-up photo of my license and then had to send it to them and it took like three days to get verified and to come back to me. So they actually right. do screen it. How much effort they put into it, if it's a human or a bot or something, I don't know. But there is some sort of screening process, again, for the safety side of things, but I could still see how it could end badly for someone quite easily. So that was Renee. Really interesting to hear her say, Jan, that this could be dangerous for some people. Yeah, let's explore that concern a little bit further with Dr. Lauren Rosewarn from the University of Melbourne. Her research focuses on sexuality, gender, the media, pop culture, politics. What do you make of Renee earning hundreds of thousands of dollars a month on OnlyFans? Um, good luck for her. I mean, you know, I think that this is an example of people coming up with ways to monetize social media. Now, there's, I can imagine, a discussion to be had about whether sexually explicit content, for example, is different to the other types of stuff uh, pushed through Instagram. But I think that, uh, yeah, I'm supportive of it. I think it's a good example of modern ways to make money in a difficult economy. Social media tends to sometimes skew our behaviours in ways that we don't understand until sort of much later. I know that's, you know, my experience of, say, Instagram. I don't post things now that I used to post even three years ago. I wonder if there's a danger with a platform like this where perhaps you are encouraged to post slightly more explicit content and whether there might be, you know, issues around either feeling pressured because there's a money incentive and then maybe regretting it later. Like, how do we mitigate that? So... If we're assuming that this that the participants are 
adults, then I think we have to understand that there are pressures to do things in all industries. So the idea here that we're under, uh, that OnlyFans is under more scrutiny because of the sexual content, I think taps more into our anxieties about around sex and the sex industry, rather than actually seeing unique behaviour here that is unlike other industries. I mean, there are lots of different industries I imagine that we could point to and say that people have done things that they later regret or that they're in a situation where they're not being treated well, etc. Etc. So that idea that an individual is in a situation where they're needing to ask themselves questions about whether this is right for me, whether this is a good expression of self, self whether I feel suitably empowered, etc., etc. That is something that every user is going to be do should be doing. But equally, so should we all in all of our individual careers as well. Mm. I'm not sure I see that as more of a problem for OnlyFans. Where do you see this going, Lauren? Because it's it's not just for creators. Um, of explicit content. There are people who, uh, you know, are exercise trainers and they're there selling meal plans and Cardi B signed up and she's sort of there selling, I guess, her time to subscribers, you know, a little bit of a more personal look at her life. Do you see more and more people moving away from, say, a platform like Instagram where they've been doing this stuff for free to a place like OnlyFans where they can now charge for that same content? Yeah, and I think this is a sort of segue interesting into the sort of Kardashian story. They were able to monetize content that other people had been giving away for free, and that was part of the key of their success. And I think this is something that we could be saying here in terms of OnlyFans. There are people who are going to make a lot of money out of uh, OnlyFans. There'll be other people who will have a bad experience or it won't fit their needs. I imagine you will see competition from other sites who are don't have a sexual spin to them that will offer a platform for people who are creating content, let's say the fitness instruction, meal plans, motivational coaching, life coaching, a platform that exists that doesn't have the perceived taint to it that OnlyFans does because Mm. even though those other content creators are on that site, it has a brand that it is a sex site or at least connected to sex. So I can imagine that there'd be a lot of people who'd be reluctant to say that they have a a channel on on OnlyFans if they're not offering that kind of content. So I imagine you'll see some competition in this space as well. That was Dr. Lauren Rosewarn from the University of Melbourne. And I guess she was really coming from the perspective of a porn star or someone working in the adult industry and thinking about how this platform changes things for them. Yeah. I guess it would possibly have different implications for someone who has moved onto that platform but not necessarily come from the adult industry, come from perhaps another social media platform. Yeah, a person who has had nothing to do with that industry before who just uses Instagram and thinks, hey, maybe I could make some money and then is potentially lured into doing porn. It's interesting to see where this goes as well. I wonder if there'll be other social sites that spring up that just kind of cut sex from the equation entirely and it's just about, you know, selling your talent or selling your products or selling whatever it is. Certainly the business model is amazing. It's just a question of whether it works without getting nude. See, now I'm wondering what I could possibly sell on OnlyFans. Uh Uh-oh, here we go. Not nudity, let me just say that. All right, that is our show today. Tomorrow, we're going to take a look at Europe's second wave. What can we learn from it? That's tomorrow's show. Make sure you subscribe. As always, if you haven't already, I know you're listening, but sometimes you don't subscribe and we want you to. And if you like the show, the best way to show us your support is to tell someone so they too can subscribe. Catch you tomorrow. Bye. A Podcast One production.